Welcome back to yet a, another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. Today we have a really special guest. I've only known him for a few weeks, but I already consider him a friend. I consider him someone whom has this contagious energy of... You could just feel the passion and the mission that's seeping through his bones and his ability and desire to inspire and help others is just incredible. I know if we could all possess that, which I'm huge on what's your reason why, what's the mission, what's the vision. And today's guest, Frank, is going to dive into all of that and more. So if you've been feeling disconnected from your vision or your mission or you're losing your sense of purpose or your why... This episode, I know, is going to really, really help you reconnect with that. Now, if you are watching, hello. If you're listening to the podcast and you'd like to watch the interview, you can always check us out at Lucas Rubik's on YouTube, and you can search the podcast on the YouTube channel. With that said, really, really enjoy this episode. I hope it inspires you and lights you up as much as it did me. And with that said, we'll see you in a sec. I guess the the story begins at um i was watching you speak and we were just talking about i was watching you speak about mission and i'm going to be curious on your definition of mission and where vision comes into the play if you're a client or if you've been listening to this podcast you know that i pretty much talk about a mission or a vision at least weekly and if you're a client i probably talk about it every time we talk of how powerful i think it is to be really connected to a mission. And in your talk, you broke it down in a way that I never saw it. And you, I believe, had three definitions of missions and three ways that companies position their mission. You called BS on some of it, as in like some companies will fluff it and make it seem like yeah. they have this mission, but do they really? And then you had the unicorn, which was, um, we could, we'll talk about it in a second here, but you had where the uh, kind of internal and external mission align is at least how I took it. And I was like, whoa. So powerful stuff. So I'm super glad to have you here. Uh, today we're interviewing Frank Benedetto. Thanks for having me, man. I couldn't be uh, more honored to be on this podcast with you. Sweet, dude. And and I connected with you instantly. And, and I wanted to start with your story because I think it's so damn powerful. And I think in a world of highlight reels, which I get for marketing purposes, I get that. There's a lack or at least a perceived lack of vulnerability or really sharing the behind the scenes and so much of our audience has built or is driven to build their business. And I think human beings because of some pain, something happened, um, whether it was pain in, in their childhood or maybe they were really bad at dating. And so they studied relentlessly. They put 10,000 hours into human relations and then they built a dating business or they were broke for 10 years and they figured out, you know, how, how money operates in the world. And then they got extremely rich and now they teach it. And I think your story is powerful and I relate with it because of the pain you went through and how quickly that depth of pain turned into insane results. I mean, I think $2 million businesses, and I believe you were setting goals to build these things in 12 months or less, and you were just hitting the targets of building million dollar businesses, which is beyond the average, I guess, timeline for success. So there's something you know or something you did, and that's what I'm going to be fishing for. Uh, through this entire interview, and I know it's going to be wrapped around mission, but let's start with your story. Uh, Where do you come from and where's this drive? Where's this mission? Where's this relentless energy come from? Oh, man. So (laughs) we'll talk about the rebirth. And anytime there's a rebirth, that means that there had to be a a, a death, right? And I do believe that we can can actually mourn previous version of ourselves 
And that, that process might actually happen throughout your entire life, iterations of yourself. And uh, my story, I think the one that we're talking about right now really starts when I was 26. For context, at 23, I had graduated with my doctorate uh, in, in physical therapy. I had taken an accelerated six-year program. By 26, I was, I believe, the youngest ever board certified, then the youngest ever double board certified doctor of physical therapy in the country. Okay. I had two kids, owned a home, just absolutely crushing it by all conventional standards. And, and then at this one night, September 22nd, 2012, my, uh, my sister calls me at 2 a.m., and it's uh, one of those house phones. So if if people, some of these people listening to the podcast might not even yeah. know what that sounds like. Yeah. It's equivalent of a fire alarm going off at 2 a.m. And I answer the phone and she says, Frank, it's happening. It's happening. Get here. I rush to my car and I'm doing like 60 miles an hour in the 25 mile per hour zones. And I get to their house and and I see my dad getting wheeled down from his front steps in a, in a stretcher. And I just yell over to the ambulance, what hospital? And I do hundred miles per hour to that hospital and I beat the ambulance there. And those, those minutes waiting for the ambulance, I could literally put myself in that position right now. And it, it's, it's like an hour that I was waiting there. And I see this ambulance make a turn, no lights and sirens. And I think to myself, holy shit, that means he's either fine. That means he's alive and okay, or he's dead. There's, there's kind of not an in-between, I guess, when you see an ambulance with no lights and sirens on. And I remember the doors opening, swinging open. I was right behind it. We make eye contact and he was scared, but alive, not himself at all. And they wheel him into the emergency room. My whole family is there. This is again, remember pre COVID where everybody just goes in. Yeah. And, uh, Man, nobody was acting urgently. The entire emergency room, there was no urgency at all. And I started yelling, he's having a heart attack. He's having a heart attack. And then they sprung into urgency. And within minutes, though, he made the, the last noise. And it's the noise that all humans make when we, when we pass away. Uh, for anybody who's, who's witnessed death, we, we all make the same sound. And it's this horrific gasp and his body goes back and... And I was the only one there at that point because they started to try to rush my family away, but I refused. And I'm so grateful for those final moments. But his last words, his last words were, Sethi, Sethi. Sethi was the last name of his cardiologist, the cardiologist, in my opinion, that led to his death, the mismanagement of his care from the very beginning, many, many years ago, all the way up to the very end, this healthcare system killed my dad. And I believe that our healthcare system kills more people than our current diseases do. Uh, again, outside of the conversation around COVID, this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the big killers, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and, and those type things. Uh, I do believe that the way those diseases are managed are the primary cause of death in the United States uh, above the actual disease itself. You're talking to the right crew here because everyone, we, we post a lot about that and so much support. I mean, we're talking to coaches and healers and um, alternative medicine and people who are very open-minded to not trusting 
the medical system. When you actually zoom out and put the pieces together, you're like, there is something fundamentally broken here. Where do you even start to fix this? So I'm guessing this is where a big part of the mission is coming from. So I'm excited about this. That's my origin story. And then that from that day, I was 26 years old. I described to you what my life was like at that moment. For the next three and a half years, I can I imploded. I had lost it all. I had fallen into drug abuse, alcohol abuse. I had lost everything. I had to sell my home. I had no student loan debt at 26. At age 30, I had $200,000 worth of self-created debt. I had pushed away everyone who loved me. And uh, I woke up on my 30th birthday, the exact opposite of who I thought I would be on my 30th birthday. I think we all have clear images of ourselves, of who we think we're going to be at certain landmarks, when we graduate college, when we get married, if that's a thing for you, at certain landmarks of ages, we just have an idea of who we're going to be at 40 and 50 or 30 or something. And I woke up on my 30th birthday and I literally could not have been farther than who I thought I would be in Mm -hmm. every way. Mm -hmm. And it was that day that it just smacked me in the face. Yeah. Uh, Do you think, was it, was it mostly because uh, obviously you and your father had a close relationship, but was it also because you spent six, seven, eight years, I don't know, 50, 60, 80, a hundred thousand hours of studying something that all of a sudden you no longer believed in, in terms of all of the effort you put into a medical system that ultimately you felt or, or did fail you? I do. It's a really great question. And I do believe it related to the way I managed my career. So I, I had worked for, uh, an employment situation that had cult-like behavior to it. Okay. And it was the day he died. It was, you know, I'm not going to say it was that day because obviously it was morning loss of my father, but in the coming weeks, I took an inventory of my life. And even at that moment, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be doing this. How did I get here? And I had traded away the last years of, of his life. I had spent such little time Mm -hmm. with him. He lived five miles away Mm -hmm. and maybe even less than that. Mm -hmm. And I spent such little time with him because of the way I managed my career. I spent very little time with my, my little kids at that time because of the way I managed my career. Yeah. And for some reason I came to that conclusion but then I, I imploded. I'll never really understand why I didn't, I wasn't able to course correct first. Right. I just dropped a bomb on my life. Yeah. I, I, the whole thing burnt to the ground. Yeah. And then, so, and you went kind of through a three-year uh, mourning period and, and transition period until sounds like you got, uh, I think your word slapped in the face. So you had some kind of realization that what am I doing? Like something must've happened. Yeah. So on my my 30th birthday, I wake up and I'm living in this shitty second story apartment. Just like honestly, stereotypical out of a movie. There's like old food, there's alcohol everywhere. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I muster up, I'm trying to muster up the ability to just get through the day. I I didn't, it, it was just, I needed something to get me through the day. Yeah. And I, I Google, I YouTube, uh, Unbroken, the, the movie Unbroken had just came out. Okay. And I thought to myself, there's got to be some lesson in there. There's got to be some motivation to basically get me through. But it wasn't, I wasn't like looking for motivation in life. I was just, man, I got to get the courage to muster up through this day. Yeah. And uh, I happened to find this one motivational video. It's a compilation 
of Eric Thomas and Les Brown, all these other amazing, amazing people. And that one YouTube video quite literally changed my life. And uh, it, it just paced every single thing. I'd love to share the video with with your audience. If, yeah, if yeah. Like we'll that. drop a link in oh, it. Yeah, but this video basically paced my entire life. Like, it doesn't matter what happened to you. It matters what are you going to do about it. You right. Know, this, you, where, where, how far you, how far you've fallen, does not define who you are. And then it concludes with this, 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 this Eric Thomas. And if anybody knows Eric Thomas, I cannot possibly try to replicate him. He has this mm-hmm. that unique voice. And he's just screaming, this year, this year is the year that my goal will become a reality. I won't talk about it anymore. And he just starts screaming, I can, I can, I can. And I'm in the shower listening to this. I just start bawling. I'm like hysterical crying about the, like both like this bold, bundled up energy of the, the, I I am done. That part of me is dead. Like I am done. That is not who I was, who I want to be. This is not me. And I got out of the shower and literally in that moment, I decided among other goals, but at that stage of my life, I was Mm -hmm. artificially very anchored to the thought that I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. So at 23, I was like, I am going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. I obviously had been, again, farthest away from that as possible. I was 200K in debt. I set the goal that I was going to launch a business and make a million in my first year. If I failed at becoming a millionaire, I was going to make a million in my first year. And it was far from a straight line up. There's lots of ups and downs in that mm-hmm. journey. 30 days later, me and two of my closest friends, we launched a business. A year and several weeks after that one moment, my partner calls me, he's screaming in the car. He's like, we did, we did it. We did. I'm like, what are you talking about? Dude? I have no idea what's going on. I was such a novice at business. I wasn't even keeping track of the numbers. I didn't know what a PL was. I thought a PL was like a type of candy or something. So the, the reality is he's like, what we did it. We did it. I was like, what, what? He's like 1.1, 1.1 million dollars. We made 1.1 million in our first year in business. And the reason why, like, how is this possible? No advertising experience, no marketing experience, no business experience. There, there's a reason. I'll future pace you a second though. And then we can go back and dig into yep. wherever you want to dig in. Four years after that, I sell that business for seven figures. A year later, I launched Next Venture. That business makes a million dollars in year one, too. I have 4,000 followers on, on Instagram. I have a similar amount on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the time and time again, when I go into these different internet marketing groups, people are just dumbfounded. How is this possible? I've been on sales calls with people trying to sell me, let's say, marketing that I might be buying. And they're like, how much are you doing? I'm like 80 to you know, 120K. And they're like, this is a 10K a month account. You're lying. Screen share Stripe. Okay. <laughs> so how, what's the secret here? How, how did we do this twice? And the, the secret is, is that we are mission driven. We are mission driven to the core. The mission drives every single decision. The mission is in the fabric of our day to day. The mission is first. The mission is in our marketing. The mission is in our sales. The mission is in our fulfillment. It is the mission. The mission is what allowed me to build these businesses. And these businesses are what allowed me to save my own life and allowed me to have the assets, both financially and time-wise, to reinvest in my own mental health. Because obviously, I was still very broken. I, I might have had money, but I was still dealing with all of these unaddressed issues that I had to learn how to cope with. And had I not been an entrepreneur and find financial success, I'm not sure if I would have been able to recover. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. And thank you for that story. I, um, I got, I got a few points that I took from it. 
but one that um, I wanted to bring up first was in the, the internet marketing space is so unique. Like I didn't get into internet marketing after I just like literally people reaching out to me, even clients who are like, Hey, like you're really good at storytelling. Could you start helping me? And then I got into the marketing world. And once I started creating acquaintances with <clears throat> the marketing world, and I want to choose my language really carefully here, but it was void of purpose mission. It, it was a very numerical, um, P and L revenue driven game. And I'm not making that bad, but the people behind it, at least when I got to know them and some of them were like heroes to me. And then when I got to know them, I'm like, eh, no judgment, but I, I don't have much to learn from you other than how you make money. And I'll learn that from you, but everything else, lifestyle and everything else, I don't want to learn from you. I really wanted a holistic approach. And I feel like your journey is a lot alike of you learn a lot of these skills and you get to give those skills back. But I think early on you learn this beautiful thing called purpose and mission and vision. And it's clear as day to me as to why you've seen, you know, success. Um, and I don't think it's just financial success. I'm sure you've grown as a human being, so we can call that holistic Absolutely. success in such a short period of time. And I think the lesson you just shared, um, I could see how marketers are dumbfounded because they're looking at conversions and clicks. And that is important at some point, but with no story, I'm going to call it story with no, with no anchor and no magnet. A lot of that stuff is just, it's just words. And I think a, a purpose and a passion like yours will outperform the best marketing campaigns all day long. And now you mix the two together and you're unstoppable or limitless. Like it says behind you. It's the goal. Yeah. So cool, man. Um, and thank you for sharing that story. I, I think our audience really relates, at least in my experience, I have much of the same story. Of, like I worked on the oil rigs, which is a very um, toxic place to work. But when I was 19, that was my first idea of what a man is. And so I joined the oil rigs and I'm surrounded by men. Um, what I thought was men for four or five years. And much of that same story is when I had that realization at 24 had the house, had the two cars, had the two motorcycles doing well, but being like, is this what my life has been all about? And then to lose all that over a two year period of time and really find myself and same idea is it was literally the motivational speeches compiled over a long period of time to have this one aha moment of I will never ever go back. To, I'm never ever like this moment, Tony Robbins talks about that a lot. And a lot of our audience and a lot of our clients have that story yet they're afraid to share it because they feel there's weakness in it or it's not the perfect idea and you don't see it in the marketing. So with that said, you obviously are big on mission. You had this, I hope I can call it a gift of this experience that happened to you that really turned into your mission. And it, like you said, everything you do, every decision you make is grounded in this mission. What if someone doesn't get the gift and I love stoic philosophy. What if someone doesn't get the gift of extreme hardship and they've had it, easier. Things have just kind of played out and worked out. I personally find that um, it's difficult to, you can't buy drive. Um, you can get motivated by a course you buy and that runs out. And at least for most people I know who've had success, there was a moment in their life that was painful enough for them to change. And this has been like this conflicting idea in my mind forever. Cause I'm like, I was gifted with that too. 
But what if someone's not? You obviously specialize or you're, you're probably great at pulling out the mission from someone. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a really important one. My business partner, Cedric, who's been with me from the very beginning, he was the partner with me from the first business that we sold and still partner now. He's more like a brother to me. You guys were friends, obviously. He must have seen something in you and believed in the conviction when you were at, it sounds like the lowest of the low, when you were like, I'm going to build a business. Who do I partner with? (laughs) At least once a year, I say to him like, you know, I was thinking about 2014 how the hell did you say yes to going into business with me? What right. is, were you, what, there's something more wrong with you than me, I think. For What's his sense. answer to that? What's his reason why? You know, I, I, he doesn't have a, a clear answer. Uh, I, am, I am sensing the same in you that we believe in energy and that yeah. energy is this guiding force and that it's real and that we could understand yeah. it and channel it. And I think that he, we both have a similar sense to energy and he cool. sensed that my intention was what was what it was and he followed his gut uh i don't think there's any rational thought that that went into it yeah so powerful cool so but he he we talk about all the time he did not have trauma you know he he has not had trauma so and he's helped a lot of our members inside the the honey badger project which is our healthcare incubator we help healthcare professionals basically launch mission-driven businesses outside the confines of insurance-based systems right and sometimes people don't have you know, a trauma-based history, and that's great. I'm happy for them that they they didn't have to go through that. But they do have to do more work in some ways, though. They have to actually give themselves to the exercise. They have to go through the mental thought exercise of which niche do I care about? What is the philosophical problem that that niche is dealing with? Where do I stand in being able to solve the problem for that niche? What hill can I create to stand on top of? Whereas the hill was assigned to me. I was called to do this. Sometimes we have to do the work to discover our calling. We have to go through different iterations where we think that we know our calling and we have to go through the painful process of realizing that maybe it wasn't, but not realizing that that was also was not time wasted. But you do have to go through the mental exercise of discovering your calling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and as it pertains to mission, um, whether you've been through a massive situation where you're like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life, which I do think is a very unique gift. Um, I, I, I took that for granted for a very long time until I started working with individuals and we actually had to do the deep exercises of, you know, mixing story with values, with purpose and with like, how do we combine all this to find something that you can wake up to every morning and go through tremendous amount of pain at time and not quit, not give up. Um, so I just took it for granted that I have this insane drive to wake up every morning. Um, multiple reasons why and it sounds like you do too. So whether you, you have to craft it and create it and work hard at it, or you've got it inside you, how do you help uh, your, your clients and your audience transition from it's internal to crafting it where they can communicate it so people can feel it rather than it being, you know, locked inside someone forever. Yeah. So I, I have two thoughts on this. The, the first is how I first came to this. So I had built and sold this business, sold it for enough money where I could take a few months off, but it was far from retirement. I have yeah. three kids, you know, I live in New yeah. Jersey. So the reality is, is that it was not, it was life-changing, but it was not retirement. Like I was not an angel investor because of this, yeah, yeah. but it gave me the gift of time and clarity. The, the, I was still hiding from my story though. So the, the first business succeeded because my mission was truly 
intact. The, 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 I still had a degree of unfulfillment in me though, because my, my business had served a need for a population. And, yeah. and we did that. We did it well and we created value and we were able to sell that as a package to another company. And yeah. that was great. We moved on. But I still feel like I wasn't doing my part in the greater uh, societal change. I had helped these five communities. To me personally, my calling was much intrinsically much bigger than that. Yeah. So I go to a Brennan Burchard event and I hear Anthony Truck speak on stage, who's now a personal okay. friend and mentor to me. Cool. Great, great guy. Somebody definitely to have on the podcast if you haven't already. And he's standing up there and his story is almost identical to mine in so many ways. And he says, your story is your greatest asset. And he keeps saying it. And I remember the first moment I heard it, I was like, my story is my asset. My story is shame. I don't tell my story. My mom, my wife, my best friend, they know my story. No one else knows my story. And then even as extensions of that, I sold for you know, seven figures, but I didn't sell for 10 million. So there are people in my industry that I know made an exit and they sold for 10 or 12 million. I exited a little bit late in the consolidation cycle here. So I sold for less than that. I had shame even around my win because right. I didn't win big enough. I also had shame that I sold in the first place because I felt like a sellout in some ways. Right. So even my wins, I had shame in my losses. I had shame. And I was just walking around as a shell of a human being. And he, he's like, it's your story is your greatest asset. And then here, I'll, I'll repeat, this is how it went. It like, my story is my greatest asset. A couple hours later, my story, my story is my greatest asset. My story is my greatest asset. I was like, oh my God, I have an asset. And I went on social media that night and just started taking action. Wow. And I made the first ever post and I described some things and I slowly opened up and I went live one day and told, told the world about my drug abuse and alcohol abuse. And I dealt with the repercussion of like my mom seeing that on right. social media and calling me and saying, Oh, you know, in tears, why, why did you share that? Why, right. you know, what are people going to think of you? What imagine what your kids, parents, friends are going to be talking about. You feel like you think they're going to have their, that your, your, your friends from the community, they're going to feel safe having your kids in your house now. Right. Like, so, but I, wow. I didn't, I didn't care. It's not that I didn't care. I was able to process those emotions yeah. And I knew that it was for the greater good. And then the, the, within one hour, DMs start coming in like, thank you for sharing, dude. I'm going through something similar. Yeah. You know, I, I openly share all the time. I seek mental health once or twice a week. For, you know, I will for the rest of my life. I advocate everybody keeps trying to find their match for mental health because my first two sucked. Third one was on point, changed my life. Cool. So the, the, the number of DMs, I'm now going to finally try again for mental health. I am going to launch a business. Yeah. I'm going to do this. It just was positive reinforcement to share. So that's how that's how my story became something that went from internal to external. I just I was like, oh, my God, it's I, I, this is my purpose. I need to share this. And I get so much energy. The best thing that yeah. in the world for me is coming on talking to people like you. Yeah. It is literally what feeds me when I was on stage when you saw me. That was yeah. one of the most high energy states I've ever been in my life. I was meant to be there. And I was channeling something bigger than myself. Yeah. So second part to your question, unless you want to interject there. One, one thing I have a word, I wrote down courage and maybe this will intersect your second point. Cause I think I, I feel like I was the same way as it was just so intrinsic of, I got a, a positive feedback loop every time I shared something, although it was scary and terrifying. And I was wondering what parents were going to think and friends and all this. Uh, I, 
when I did it, it was almost a form of therapy. So I got a positive feedback loop and I just kind of naturally did it through the fears and, and kind of naturally, I guess, built up the courage to do it. And some people go that way, others, and maybe this is part B of your story. Um, they, there's a huge wall. They don't get a positive feedback loop. They get a negative feedback loop when they share it there. It builds up more of their shame or it makes them even, or, or they get one hater or their video gets three views and they take it. And the perspective on it is one that, you know, sets them further back. So I know a, a big part of sharing your message is this kind of emotional, uh, there, 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 there's a lot of resistance for a lot of people. And I'm guessing that's going to be part B of your story for those people. Well, the, for that part, I would say that is where you need to be reading the ancient books. I'm also a fan of Stoic philosophy. Not yeah. a surprise there. They're on the same page and, and really actively learning how to process these emotions. So they no longer have mm-hmm. you in under the, they don't have you in their cage, you know, and, and you can start to free yourself from that. And there's a, there's a, uh, you know, lots of ways to go about that. You have to find the way that works for you. And if you tried one way first, don't give up. Like I did back in 2012, 13, when I, when I was still broken, I was 26, 27, 28. I tried once I gave up. I went to a psycho. So I went to a different person. They gave me medications, accelerated 2018, 19. That's when I started to find real good mental health. And that was life-changing for me. Now I'm freed to a new level of these burdens. So cool. And it's no, no wonder to me that you're also a fan of, uh, stoic philosophy that, that it, it actually saved my life, like literally saved my life as all the old texts. And then obviously kind of stemming from there is, it just seems so from the second I read the first page of, I think a Ryan holiday book was my, for many, that's their first entryway into stoicism. And I was like, this rings, this is true. Like this is, this is true. Um, and that was my, my pillar of actually embracing uh, difficulty and hardship and something I, I try to pass along as much as I can to people. Absolutely. Now, the second point here I actually want to make is that for the people who haven't gone through trauma, this process doesn't exist. There's nothing to come clean about. Right. There's nothing to, to unshackle from. So the exercise that I recommend people do is they draw a timeline of their life. So I still, there's an exercise, there's kind of two here. One is what communities or groups of people are you a member of that you feel called to help and serve? For some in my group, that might be new moms, that might be golfers, that might be crossfitters, that might be people who are recovering from a very specific kind of surgery, people in back pain, people with early uh, end stage, uh, I'm sorry, early stage cancers. It might be people with end stage heart disease. But there's probably some group that you care a ton about that maybe you weren't personally inflicted, but maybe it was your mom or your dad or a best friend or someone, or just that you really love golf. And that, that, like, that's your thing. You cannot wait till the day ends so you could go golf. So there's an exercise of what communities are you already a part of? What communities do you have professional experience with? What would be your dream community to help? And then chasing that and exploring a deep dive of their problems and their aspirations and then discovering what, what to do within there. Now that after that, now as you have like a general niche, uh, again, this is a, an Anthony Trucks exercise. I want to give him credit here. The hallway exercise. So at the time of my working with him, he, my story was this convoluted mess of just like the stuff. You know, yeah. stuff. And yeah. it was, and what he had me do, I have a 13 foot whiteboard in my other office and I just drew a straight line, like almost like out of the textbooks where, you know, let's say it's the history of the United States right. it says 1774, this happened and then this war and then this president and then this president in modern times, Y2K, year 2000, there's like a little right. line. 
So yeah. the you draw this line across your iPad or across a piece of paper, and now you start to draw out like little bifurcations of what were the instrumental things of your life. Now you start with all the obvious ones. I graduated college. I chose to go to this college. I married this person. I met this person. I took this job. I left this job. And then all of a sudden, as you start to do the exercise, your brain will start to dig for other things. And then, oh, I remember that experience with that one client and they had this and I really helped them and I changed their life. Boom. Okay. Here's another, here's another line. And all of a sudden you're looking at this timeline of your life and lo and behold, you do have a story. So if you don't think you have a story, it's just because you haven't done the work to uncover your story. Now you can start to choose which doorways you want to open or close when you tell your story or how you want to formulate your business, because maybe it was that one client that you changed your life that you realized if you could do that a hundred times, my God, how fulfilled you would be. What a difference the way it would make in the world. So right. you have to go through the work to do this stuff if you right. haven't had an experience. You, you mentioned one thing uh, a few minutes ago about you feeling shame about exiting uh, and, and only selling it for a million when other people sold 10. Could you talk a little bit? Cause I think we all feel just the way social media and society is structured right now. We always feel, or it's easy to feel if you're not watching this, that um, who am I? Other people have seen tremendous amounts more success who will listen to me. And I, I can, uh, I, I, I see that self in my, in myself often. I have to constantly monitor that and uh, especially when I first started or when many people first start, that's really powerful. So you had that, you had kind of a feeling of who am I? And even when someone, and maybe society has beat this into us of, um, you know, don't, don't, don't stand out. Um, don't, don't, don't promote yourself. Like a lot of people can sell a cell phone a hundred times harder than they'll ever sell themselves. And, you know, if you're a coach or an expert, an author, a speaker, you are selling yourself. So there's a little bit of imposter. There's a little bit of, all of this stuff built up in there. So even when they, if they lay out their timeline, see their story and be like, wow, I do have a story here. I think many people's thoughts go to, well, what is so special about this story, you know, compared to all these other people, any yeah. thoughts around that? I think this is where we jump to the outcome where the, the, the dark side of vulnerability on social media is that there is a version of this where we could tell our stories over and over again, but it's, it's because we still haven't processed it. So if I had to keep telling my story and keep telling it the same way, and it's always for me, that is actually not the purpose. Right. And sometimes we get in the habit of this for, for the likes, for the attention, the feedback. And sometimes it's just because we haven't processed it ourselves. Right. So the even more directly of an answer is if you still look at your story and you're in the other camp of like, I don't, this isn't that good. You know, it's not, I didn't go through what Frank went through. I didn't go through what, what this guy went through. I didn't yeah. go through what Lucas went through. The, the, the reality is, is that the reason why I tell my story is no longer for me. Maybe the first few times it was, but now I tell it for the intended benefit of the end user. And if you're judging how good or not good your story is, you still have a egocentric frame of the way you're looking at it. And we need to now jump towards what is the outcome that you are going to help your people attain? And how does your story fit in the process of helping them attain that? So your story then might turn into how you have helped this client achieve XYZ and overcome XYZ. Even if you've never overcome XYZ, that's okay. So we now need to make the leap and get into the actual intended 
outcome of the mission. Agreed. Agreed. When it comes to mission, which you've mentioned about a hundred times uh, during this interview, and, and I know a lot of your work is centered around mission-driven businesses and, and creating true impact. The story is a piece of the mission, but you had this great three categories of mission-driven businesses. Um, would you mind sharing that? And I'm most interested in the unicorn because it sounds like what we're crafting is we're talking about a personal story, a personal mission, and then yeah. crafting it to something external. So um, quick little, I think this is really going to help people. Cool. So the, uh, there's four types of, of, of mission-driven businesses. In that presentation you saw, I literally came up with, I think, the, the unicorn on the spot. Oh, okay. oh, I, I left one out. Let me just ad hoc this right here. Cool. So there's four types of mission-driven businesses. There is a direct mission-driven business. A direct mission-driven business is where the product itself directly represents a mission. So this is uh, my business right now. So I help a healthcare professional launch a business and that business is directly shaping the new version of healthcare. There is a direct correlation. There's a direct effect of this business. Elon Musk is trying to get us to Mars. That is a direct mission, right? Whole foods trying to get the healthy foods and organic foods into every household in America, direct mission driven business, indirect mission driven business. I'll give an example first, because I think it makes more sense that way. Tom's Shoes. Tom's Shoes, when you buy a pair of those shoes, a pair of shoes goes to somewhere in the world where a family or a person cannot afford shoes themselves. How incredible of a mission is that? And there's a similar thing like Warby Parker. You buy a set of eyeglasses. A set of eyeglasses goes to a person who cannot afford glasses. So this isn't where Tom's Shoes isn't pretending like, we're going to revolutionize the way you feel because our cushions are six eighth layers and they're not pretending that their direct product, their direct offering is the mission in our world. Maybe it's uh, Facebook ads, or maybe you design landing pages and there's like an element that maybe you could swing. That's like, you know, but the reality is, is that you're, you're serving a mechanical purpose and an extraordinarily important one. And this one's important for people who've already been established. Maybe they're three years in or two years in, they found success, but they're unfulfilled. Right. The best thing right. you could do is then link your business success to an indirect mission uh, uh, that you care about. So the, some of the people after the talk that you had seen come up to me and people would come up for so, so long, it was amazing. And they were like, I'm going to start having 10% of all of my profits go to uh, anti um, child slavery in a certain country. Mine, mine's going to go to sex trafficking prevention. And I'm like, oh my god! Like, imagine, cool. imagine if the internet marketers out there, because they are some of the most powerful people that exist yeah. with the ability to communicate ideas, attract attention. Yeah. Imagine if, forget about making them all direct mission driven, but imagine if everybody started donating a percentage right. of the revenue that comes in or a percentage of the profit that comes in, the the thousands of missions that could be funded and fueled right. along. So any questions about those two before I go into the next? No, I, I do want to leave one comment is after watching your uh, your talk, I subconsciously, although it comes to my awareness, is I'm constantly looking at the message of a business, not even knowing anymore. And I'm always like, oh, is this like, what's their mission? What are they behind? And it's, I used to think about it. Now I'm just insanely aware of it. It's such a fascinating, and you can tell the ones that are kind of pushing 
the limit of like, dude, that's looks like it's for the shareholders or just so yeah. you look great for media, but I'm not buying it for a second. Yep, absolutely. And listen, there, there, there might be a founder of a microphone company, the microphone that's right in front of you, who is just like a podcaster and pissed off that podcasters are dealing with right. shitty equipment. And they might literally have the mission of being an audiophile and being like, I am going to help podcasters reach thousands of people around the world by giving them world-class equipment at a cheap cost. That might be real, but it also might be the third category, which we're going to talk about is pseudo. So a a pseudo mission-driven business is someone who realized that this, that mission-driven businesses tend to take non-traditional growth paths. So I, I stumbled upon this. I didn't invent it. I don't pretend like it did. There's hundreds of books, most notably Simon Sinek, Star With Why, Infinite Game. These are some of the classics. And there are somebody who read Simon Sinek, Star With Why and said, oh, shit, I better put a mission behind this. And that person said, oh, we have this, you know, I I could get these cheap microphones. Oh, let's do this. This sounds really good. Giving podcasters the ability to reach thousands of voices so that the intention behind it and I believe in energy and this might challenge some of the audience's worldview, but the intentions that we build, we put into building the business, the intentions, the emotions you feel when creating content, somehow, some way are transferred through that content and perceived at different varying levels, depending on the energy state of the other person by the end user. So when people scoff at this, I think to myself, like use this example, if we were in person, and you could see me and hear me. And you ask me, Frank, why do you, are you so passionate about mission-driven business? And I answer like this. Well, I mean, mission-driven business is what saved my life. And uh, yeah, it's just really important. Would would I be a guest on your podcast right now? Of course not. So you're reading nonverbal in tonality and you're not reading my body language. There's an equivalent to this that the mission and the energy gets perceived through the content, through the way each employee interacts with the end users that gets perceived whether the mission is real or not. And certain lower frequency people might be able to be duped. There's a lot of duping going around the world. So if somebody's in a high need state, they will fall for something. But right. that's how right. businesses like mine, 4,000 followers, million dollar run rate, one year, million dollars collected one year. How does that happen? It's because the mission is in, in everything. So, so far we have direct, we have indirect, we have pseudo, and now we have the unicorn, the hybrid, the combination. And this is where you have a direct and indirect business merged. The example I used during that speech is uh, a trainer that I was working with at the time who- Sam. Sam, our boy, Sammy G. Great guy. One of the most well-intentioned people I've ever met. He donates, I'm pretty sure it was percentage of, profit it was like five ten percent of profit it was a high yeah. high number here he donates some very high percentage of 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 profit bottom line to local charities that specifically feed families in need yeah. and his product is expensive so when i purchased his product it fed something like i don't know a dozen families or something i was like wow that feels awesome i can't believe like i i did that i get the benefit he's changing my life because for clarity here, he helps high performers and people who are um, you know, aspiring to achieve massive things in business, stay balanced, behavior change, create work-life balance, prioritize their health, 
And I needed some rebalancing of that at the time when I first started working with him. So his mission, because his dad passed away very young too, his mission is to help me live longer, have a full life, be healthy, avoid disease, avoid medications, direct. His mission is also indirect to feed local families in Nashville. And the combination of that is just incredible. So if you're really wanting to get pulled out of bed every single day, you have a direct and indirect mission. How could you sleep in? How could you not take that sales call? How could you not film a podcast? How could you not get on social media? How could you not go live? If you know that 10 families are going to be fed every time you make a sale and that you're going to make a life-changing impact to the end user directly. So beautiful. I got a, I got a question and this is, this is have selfish question, but anyone listening, I'm sure you can put this in your own context. A year ago, I had a mentor. I also invested a ton of money in my growth, personal and professional. This was professional in terms of um, creating systems in the business. Cause I had none. And he mentioned one thing is a year from now, you're going to realize that how much fulfillment you get from serving your team. Uh, we had a very small team back then and I kind of like meetings were, I was like, I hated meetings. I, I didn't really like, I just wanted to be left alone so I could put my head down and work and meetings were like, a, I, I didn't have a, a, cr- a crazy dream to build a team. It was a necessary evil I had to do. And over the last year, that's really flipped into, I wake up every morning and when I do find it hard to get out of bed, which some mornings I do, maybe a bad sleep or stress or we're moving countries right now, 10 days away. So things come up and I don't, I'm like, I have to get out of bed and solve a thousand problems. Nothing, what pulls me out of bed probably the most right now is the team and I can't wait to serve them. And we've seen so much growth in team members individually. And I, as, as I watch them grow, the impact they can make on our clients is more than I could ever make. So and, and I'm a big fan of creating like five, 10, 15 whys. Some are personal, some are for my family, some are for the world. But some mornings I wake up and I really could care less about the world, to be honest. I'm just like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to pretend to want to wake up and make this big change. Maybe it's a selfish reason or maybe it's a team. And we pull from all these different, we call it stacking our whys. Maybe that was a Brandon Bouchard exercise. I think that's the first time I read it in one of his books. Um, and I think someone taught him. So what we're talking about here, what you're talking about is a mission. I'm going to call it a statement, although that's a little inaccurate, but it's like the big, we're on a mission to, you know, help fathers become whatever, uh, because maybe they had a poor relationship with their father. And then um, indirectly, they are helping uh, feed families or whatever. What about when it comes to those other um, anchors we have like me for my team. And I am almost in tears sometimes on a team meeting because I'm watching five or six individuals do way more work and talking about clients and how they're serving our clients. And I'm like, I just feel like I serve them. And I'm just like, there's no way I could do without you guys. There's, there's no way And I get emotional about it because it it feels like a little family. Um, what, 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 what category or where would you place that and how important is that for people? Yeah. So I think it's always really important to recognize that mental models and framers works like this are not meant to be bulletproof. They're not meant to be taken as gospel. And I think one of the things in the information age is when Tony Robbins says there's five F's, Right. Wait, okay, there's only five F's. Five These F's, are yeah. the five F's. But wait, where does this fit in? It's not right. in one of the F's. 
And we, we get so attached to these frameworks. So I want to put a disclosure out there and say, this is a mental model to help expand your vocabulary around what it means to be mission-driven. Love it. And that there might be five categories. There might be 10 categories, but I've done my job. If all that you're doing now is actually talking about it. Love so it. with that being said, to give you an answer, I would put that in the category of indirect. So in an indirect mission, it absolutely could be that you're selling microphones, but you are changing the lives of the employees of the team that sell those microphones. And you're not pretending that those microphones are serving some sort of greater mission in the world. And that's okay. But, and I think it's really important. There's another slide on that, that um, the, that presentation called the magnitudes of the mission. I have a close friend that he's been my best friend since we were in undergrad and we could not be more different in some ways. And his purpose in life is to provide for his family. And I love him for that. I I don't view this as different than the mission that I Mm -hmm. am called to, to serve in, in thinking societally and thinking in a different way. I don't believe that I am better than because I am trying to make a new healthcare system. He, he serves a local community that he is extraordinarily passionate about. And his primary focus is serving his wife and his two kids. And I actually had some guilt about this because it's not my primary driver. My kids and my wife are, are my, are, are my rocks. They are my lives. They are. And I know for some people there's judgment happening right now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm just being afraid of being judged. But the reality is, is that the I am the type of person that I cannot just go earn a above average salary to give my kids and my wife an extraordinary life. Mm-hmm. I am the type of person that has to have the box checked of a uh, of a massive ambition of uh, almost a borderline intangible, never achievable goal. I need to be challenged mentally on a, on a daily basis. Otherwise, I can't be the best I could be for my wife and for my kids. It, they actually require me to have a sense of adventure and challenge in my work mm-hmm. in order to go upstairs when I'm done for the day to be the best dad I could be. Mm-hmm. Whereas my buddy, he needs work to be a minimal part of his life or in a very contained part of his life to be a bit more routine so that he could give his best to his wife and his kids. And it is not better than or worse than. Yeah. There are differences, though, in income earning potential. And I think that there's an entrepreneur uh, that that there's a very good income earning level above most of the world. But then there's movement maker and movement maker is where your business is kicking off individual movements. And that's what I personally aspire to be, is that when somebody comes into the Honey Badger Project, and they quit a corporate healthcare job to launch a direct-to-consumer niche-based cash job uh, business, that's a movement in itself. So I'm basically giving a platform for somebody to say, here's how you could build your platform for new moms who are trying to overcome urinary incontinence because the medical doctor just tells them that's part of life. That person then goes off on that mission. And a movement maker has 100x earning potential for the time for the money. A movement maker has... 100x fulfillment. And movement maker also though, though comes with lots of more mental and emotional struggle than let's say a straight lifestyle business that we purposely cap at a certain level. Yeah, I, I'm so happy that I want to honor two things and just really um, uh, highlight and pray why I 
connected to you then on such a deep level because I'm under the same beliefs. But you mentioned, uh, I guess, one word that comes to or one phrase is like know yourself. And I think many of us are untrue or we look at someone like Elon and I'm like, oh, well, they're saving the world. I need to do something like that. But maybe you, I have a friend who literally is the best father, the best dad, and he is willing to sacrifice anything, including his own uh, joy at work, does a job he doesn't love, but it provides for his family and it wakes him up every single morning. I used to actually judge that a little bit and I had to make a lot of, um, me too. uh, I was like, why are you so, why are you thinking so small? Like take over the world. And I was like, hold up. And I had to do a lot of work on that. Uh, which is why I had a hard time building a team too, because you could see how that would create a very weird internal yeah. conflict of bringing someone on a team. Now I'm like, if we can use this company to grow you to your max potential, that is literally the mission of the business or at least part of it. So I had to do a lot of work and I honor the fact that you, um, it's not better, it's not worse. It's it's be true to you because I think you'll get more miles out of that. And if you've got this huge vision and mission, uh, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot to make it happen. But if that's truly what you want, go do it. And if you want to, uh, you know, be a, a janitor um, because you want more time with your kids and you want to work part time and just whatever that may be. And that's actually what you want. Do that. Like it's not better. It's not worse. And I had to make I had to do a lot of work on myself because I was quite judgmental and I have to watch it all the time. I'll quickly flip to that if someone's like playing video games. I'm just like, okay. Hey, what do you actually want? And if this is what you want, totally cool. And I'll leave you be. Yeah. I do think that there's a degree of judgment that, that sometimes still happens for me. And I, I'm okay with erring towards that to a degree. And I'm going to tell you why, because I do believe that most of humanity is still following herd mentality and they haven't chosen. If you actively choose and say, gaming is my passion Agree. I love it. There's nothing that gives me this kind of feeling. Agree. And then I'm all in support and I love you for going all in. I'm like freaking respect for you, dude. Yeah. But yeah. most people haven't actually chosen. They have just fallen into vices to fill Agreed. time until they die. So Agreed. the very first thing we take all of our clients through is what we call the life design exercise. And this is just a reverse engineering of what you want your life to look like. Yeah. Most coaches have some sort of goal setting thing to start with. I always start with what exactly do you want your life to look like? Like your schedule. What do you want to do when you wake up? How much do you want to work? What activities do you want to do during holidays and family vacations and personal vacations? How much do you want to travel for? Because you want to travel for work at all. And then we paint the picture of what you want your life to look like. Then we could start to reverse engineer the decisions that you need to make now to be directionally correct for that. And you could always update it every month, every three months, because we get better and better at deciding right. that the more reps we get at it. Most adults have never done any exercise like this. Yeah. And what I'll often see is that somebody's life design has dissonance with the yeah. decisions they're making now and also what they say they want. So they might say they want to make some sort of you know, massive business with a headquarters and 150 employees, but they also want to travel, you know, long weekend every month, two weeks, every, every quarter, you know, a whole month off every summer. And granted there is a way to achieve that, but the, 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 the probability of achieving it on a, on a more realistic timeline is, 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 is very low unless you start very mechanically sound with your business model, have outstanding leadership skills, have investment from the, st- I mean, there's just so many variables that have yeah. to go right in order to make those, the, those ends meet. And I'm, I'm, I'm 
obviously, uh, that, that's, that's probably what makes you such a great leader. And now I just, if someone says, this is what I want, I'm like, please double check, like come back to me tomorrow. And if this is what you say, I'm going to hold you to that. And you're going to hate me at times, but I'm going to hold you to that. So be very careful what you tell me you want. Um, and we may need to renegotiate. And we had that happen a month ago where someone said they wanted something, but their actions weren't lining it up. And we had to renegotiate what they said, because I'm going to hold you to that. And I'm going to create a standard for you. I just believe in people, I think, so much. Because I, I know what's possible in such a short period of time. And you're a, you're a shining example of that. So I, I think the biggest lesson I'm getting from this and anyone listening is obviously the importance of a mission and not crafting it just to craft it. And I've made those mistakes before, like taking the time and being like, what, what's actually true and what do I really want to stand for? And if I'm doing a skill set, maybe creating landing pages, cause I'm just really good at it. How can I link it to something indirectly? So at least I can uh, use this as a vehicle to accomplish that mission. So that's one. And the second thing I got was the idea of alignment, which I'm huge on, but choosing what you truly want. I think anyone listening should really listen to this because I see this a lot is this is what I say I want. And what I'm doing is aligned up to it. And, and one of them has to be off. So either we're following we're, we're Grant Cardone. So awesome. I want a private jet and I want three companies. But if we don't truly want that, you ain't gonna do it. So just getting real with yourself and taking the time with some of the exercises you gave us into uh, crafting that like, what do I actually want? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to share the life design worksheet too. I share publicly awesome. everywhere. Uh, I think it's one of the best things to to do to start, and I think it, it's yeah, uh, it's irrelevant to my niche or my business. It's just something everybody should do. So that's that's one thing. And then, do you have time for one more? Absolutely. If you got the time, I'm like, man, we're seven minutes over. Yeah. I want to respect your time, but whatever. I'm you good. I, I have nothing scheduled after this. Me neither. So we'll go as long as you want to go. Perfect. This is a mental model or a thought exercise I've been thinking about. When, when we hear from influencers or people who have perceived success above us, that all you need is to be yourself. You need to be authentic. You need to put yourself out there. It's usually met with these two arcs of, of thoughts. The first is terror. And there's usually terror in one of two ways. If you've had trauma, you like, do you want me to share this? Are you right. crazy? Okay. Are you crazy? You think I'm going to go, I'm going to, how can, how are you asking me to do this? The other side of it is the terror of realizing that you don't know who you even are. And I think sometimes there's a combination of those two. I think that's what I went through. One, it was crazy for me to share that. That trauma had become my identity though. So when I did share it, I realized I, I actually didn't know who I was. I, I didn't have a worldview. I could stand here and answer questions with these yep. were, I would have regurgitated quotes from books. Yep. These are my thoughts yep. now. Yeah. So so now, now you go through that and you, you process your old emotions, you process the trauma you've been through, you, you go through the exercise to start to uncover yourself, you start taking off the different masks we wear at different places and different contexts, and you start yeah. to become uniform with how you show up where you're the yeah. same person with your wife as with your kids as with your husband as with your, your friends as with your coworkers, you, there's a certain synchronicity now you're starting to become yourself. Yeah. Then you get to this other side where you're like, now you've reached a certain level of success. Now you wonder, how do you become the big guys? How do you, how do you become like the people we're aspiring to become, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, yeah. if, if that's your goal or hundreds of millions of 
of uh, hundreds of thousands of followers or millions of followers or hun hundreds of thousands of clients or this worldly impact. And then they say, just be yourself. And right. then you're like, all I have to do is be myself. And then you, there's this like glee to it right. that there's, you know, I hear that, my God, the guests who came before me are Grant Cardone and Robert Green, and somehow Frank Benedetto is in that. Like just right. the fact that this is a dream come true to even be, uh, you know, on that roster. And I, there was a little momentary panic. Right. You good enough to be on this podcast? And right. you know what I said? Ah, just be yourself. You're good enough. Mm -hmm. And and then you just show up and you let your authentic voice shine through and you become a conductor of your energy. And it's so hard to believe when you're brand new, though. You yeah. think it's this yeah. cliche, trite piece of advice. Yeah. Your mom says to you when you're a teenager, maybe, oh, just be yourself, honey. You'll be, they'll love you. And you know, so right. we dismiss it. We dismiss it also because it's free advice. It's not complicated. We value overcomplicated and costly advice more than free highly accurate, highly uh, wisdom-filled advice. And sometimes we look over these things. Love it. Um, I've, got, I've got so much to share, but I'll, I'll save it. Um, agreed. And with the idea of being yourself, what if, just to challenge this a little bit, and again, this is what's awesome about frameworks is there's A and there's B and there's C and there's D. Yep. Um, I, 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 we talk a lot about the idea of alignment. I'm huge on that. And... I was doing this cold shower thing for like 90 days. And one morning I remember it was like 30 days in and I got in the shower and it was so warm and I was like, F it. I'm just, I'm not doing it today. And, but I was posting every day about it. And I got in the shower and I started my day and I was like, I took my clothes off. I went back in the shower, had my cold shower because I did not want to um, post or not. I just had to be in alignment with what I yeah. said I was going to do. Yeah. And I'm disciplined. So I had a 30 second thing jumped back in the shower, did it. And then all of a sudden my energy was just unchained, unhinged. So I have the idea of be who you are, but if there's qualities and traits of who you are, and, and this is where I, I love talking about alignment because someone will say, well, this is the way I am, but this is what I want. And to get what I want, I have to be somebody different. And so when you step into being upgrading yourself or doing things that are uncomfortable, you're going to feel out of alignment. And a lot of people use it as a cop-out saying, well, it just doesn't feel in alignment. So I think it's wrong and I'm really into engineering. And it sounds like you are too engineering who you want to be and the life you want to create. And that may mean changing certain aspects of yourself. And so if uh, I have a habit of cutting people off and I have to watch that all the time, I could argue that that's just who I am. So I'll be myself, but to interview and build relationships where you're always cutting someone off because your brain is moving so fast. I got to watch that. So that's a part of myself that maybe I shouldn't be myself. So I'm guessing be yourself in terms of know thyself, learn who you are in that aspect. But if there's traits and qualities about yourself that are not going to lead you to who you want to be, where you want to go, um, worth changing, worth investigating. Yeah, I think the the authenticity is is the more complex word that could replace yeah, be yourself. I love it. So you can authentically share that experience of like, I didn't want to do the shower today. Right. I'm not doing it. You know, sometimes we do these challenges and we realize why the hell am I doing 75 days hard? This is right. not in line with the realities of how behavior change works or in line with actually what gives me energy. So I'm done. Right. I'm right. done. Right. And that's still you being your authentic self. Now it's also could have been your authentic self to do what you did, which is I had a lot. Of, I literally took two showers today because I couldn't make myself not because I'm trying to become this person. Right. 
I have this future version of myself that I, I am no, I refuse to break this social contract with myself. So yeah. if you're struggling with behavior change, create a social contract with yourself and realize that you are either establishing more credibility and trust in self every day that goes on, or you are doing the opposite. There's no in between. Yeah. So I think that there's a layer of authenticity. Uh, I am nonstop belief in iterating our identities yeah. that the, one of my goals is to reach a level of a platform that I am able to deliver a talk to a stadium. I want to be in a stadium and have it be honey badger event. My, I'll give you a little sneak preview. Honey badger events are going to be like a combination of crossover between the greatest showman in the movie. You ever see that? Yes. Greatest, Hugh Jackman? greatest showman in no. the movie, the uh, fear factor from, from like the nineties with Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. Honey badger. I could go into why we call it that. It's more about fear and helping people step into fear. And you know, whatever iteration that's authentic to me of the Brendan Burchard, Tony Robbins like events uh, without any weird NLP stuff. So the, the, so like I, I have this vision when I was in Nashville preparing for the speech, which was my first ever speech to stage really. I was preparing for that speech and I would go to the edge of that water and look at that stadium every day for the entire week. And I was preparing mentally as though I was preparing to go on stage there. So that when I do get the nod from some mentor, from some opportunity, if somebody hears me on a podcast and says, I want that guy's story, I want him on my stage. I have, I don't have a rep talking to, to 300 go. people. I have a rep talking to thousands of people already, the way I, the way I prepared. Yeah. I shared that. I talked about how I have to become the type of person that would fill a stadium, aware that I am not currently, aware that I don't have the platform of that currently. So I am simultaneously iterating my identity, belief system, self-talk to become the person who can fill a stadium while also authentically sharing my process on that journey. And I think that's the combination or the, the sweet spot between both where you don't have to pretend to be perfect. You don't have to pretend, you don't have to go you know, uh, use Toro, the app where you could get really expensive cars to film in front of them because you rented it for two hours, right. which yeah. is... A, something that multiple mentors of mine in the internet marketing space have done. Yeah. So the, you don't have to do that and you can reach their level of success. Man, I'm, I'm so happy. Anyone listening, if you ever feel, I remember when I started this journey, I felt so, when I told people about my visualization techniques and all the little things I've done that, that mirror what you were doing in Nashville about speaking in front of the stadium and imagining it, uh, everyone in my life thought, you're crazy, you're extremist, you're, you're unbalanced. And anyone listening, I'm sh especially if you're driven, I know it can feel that way when you first start, but when the fruits of your labor and when you start meeting other people like Frank, and I've had the pleasure of just meeting people who would maybe be labeled extreme. If you just out of context, if you share that with someone, they'd be like, dude, chill. That seems like pretty extreme. What are you doing? Um, I really honor and respect that energy and that uh, self-belief. So it's a nice breath of fresh air that um, that there's there's you know crazy people out there like you and I'm sure anyone listening they're probably all Eric Thomas great example of that he maybe be considered extreme but man what an impact he's had on the world yeah I'll give you a full circle moment here the the Brendan Burchard event that changed my life in 2019 that led to me launching the second business that that became the Honey Badger Project yeah. netted year one. He had a surprise guest 
Un- mm. I did not book it knowing he'd be there. Guess who that surprise guest was? Eric Thomas. Eric Thomas. I was literally, and I don't have fanfare over anyone. I was just shaking. Mm-hmm. I literally get like emotional this moment. I'm in the crowd. I'm like six rows back to the left, 4,000 people here, 2019. And he starts screaming, I can, I can, I can. And I'm having these flashbacks of my head against the tile in the, in the shower, being a drug addicted loser, you know, with no impact, no love in my life, no belief in self and sustaining that audience right then and there. And it was that moment that then this next version of this goal came. I didn't have this vision then. You know, there was that energy that injected into me that then became the seeds of this, like, how far could I go? You know, I, I went from that moment to this moment in almost an unbelievable way. The same man mm-hmm. being the bookends to that phase. And then that night I started off on this next journey and here I am talking to you. And if I could do that, you could do whatever the hell you want to do. It is just a matter of you deciding, putting in the mental work. It is not easy. There's still negative self-talk. There's still doubts. There's still lots of uncertainties. There's still times where I question why I'm doing it. There's still times where I question if it's worth it. But the the reality though, is that uh, if I could do this, then you can do anything you set your mind to. So beautiful, man. I can't wait for you to have your sold out stadium and be able to sit down with Eric Thomas and have an interview and tell him this story directly. It's so cool how there's been two or three people in my life that I've never actually talked to yet, but some piece of content changed my life in a moment of extreme pain or vulnerability. And if you think anyone listening that your little video you put out there on this thing called YouTube will not impact at least one person. I think you're, um, you're, it's insane what one audio, one video, one thing Frank said today could change the course of someone's life forever. It, it's so cool to me that we live in an age where that platform is that I'm not a big Facebook and Instagram fan and what social media is doing, but it can be used for good. And it's so cool that we live in a time where everyone could share that and the importance of your story. If, if you're not willing to share your story, you know, will you really make the impact that you can make it? It takes, yeah. So really my, cool. my, my concluding point here, echoing what you just said, imagine if Eric Thomas never filmed that one video. Yeah. What would the butterfly effect of that? Where would I be? Cause I was on track to die. It's not an exaggeration. The mm-hmm. stuff that I was into and how quickly it was continuing to spiral mm-hmm. one video. And you know, if you post something and you're ashamed cause you have 10 likes, or 10 views or hundred views because you're comparing or you only have 150 followers. Let's change the word from likes and followers to people. Yeah. And if you were to put all of those people in a room and introduce yourself and they said, hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Mary. Hi, I'm this. And they were to tell you about their spouses, their moms, their dads, their kids. Would that change the way you view just those 10 likes, just those 10 follows? Joe, I only got three new followers this week or whatever mm-hmm. number you're comparing to based off of whatever level you're at. The answer is no. Those, those people bleed like you and me. They hurt like you and me. They are humans. And uh, it, it, when that's, I believe, what got me to talk to my small audience, the way that people talk to their big audience, because I value every single one of them and not, not disconnecting or dehumanizing likes and comments and, and follows. And I think that's, uh, 
you have no idea who you might be missing out on helping by not sharing your story or posting today. Love it, dude. Thanks for sharing so much. Um, internet marketing, that's the dark side of internet marketing is a lot of analytics, a lot of clicks, a lot of conversions, and it's a way to track. But behind all that, literally one person, 10 people converted through your webinar, maybe no one bought, but nothing to be bummed about. Let's fix those conversions. Let's figure it out how to actually get in conversations. But I, you would be crazy to not think that some human being on that webinar, even if they didn't buy from you, got served in some way, shape or form. And that belief has kept me going when things weren't working because I knew there's still an impact being made and all that money and all that, the other side will come. Let me just keep making this impact. So thank you for sharing. I think everybody, if, if you're obviously into marketing and expanding your business and sales, focus on the numbers for sure. But before that, everything Frank just shared in this episode and all the links we're going to share from, um, from the Eric Thomas video and the human life design. It's not called human life design, but close. Yep. Life design, life, life design. design. Uh, we'll share the links below. Frank, where can people find you? Obviously Instagram will have the link below, but anywhere else. Instagram, Frank underscore Benedetto, Twitter, Frank underscore Benedetto just started to get active on there. That one's really cool. It's just literally stream of thought. There's no real marketing intention, at least not for now or the foreseeable future. So it's cool. probably one of my favorite places to, to go to right now. Uh, those two. Yeah. I'm happy to help however I can. I'm happy to serve however I can. Cool. cool. And I, I leave this one final question for everyone. Uh, this podcast obviously isn't live. So if you need a minute or two to think about it, awkward silence is totally okay. But one gift uh, sounds like you've been through a shit ton, especially since, uh, I mean, I'm sure there was a whole other story when you're going through university and all the challenges and obstacles that came from studying for that long and staying committed to it. But from, you know, if you could go back 10, 12, 14 years and share a fundamental truth or a principle, if we want to call it that, I mean, if, if this is something you could be known for and, and stake your claim and share with the world from all of your experience, all the pain, everything you've learned, what would that one thing be? Definitely going to be an awkward silence. We're going to, we're going to let that simmer. That's a question that deserves it. When I distilled down the lessons that I learned from my father dying and the recovery from just how deep I was, I recognized that fear was always the main boundary that needed to be crossed and stepping into the fear relentlessly over and over and over again is what I believe is the single defining characteristic of what carved this version of me and recognizing that fear is a shapeshifter. It evolves, it evolves with you. It stays with you forever. You don't ever not have it. Even right now, the thought of stadiums, my brain and subconsciously, does he believe it? Do I believe it? Are people listening going to actually check and see, I, I only have 4,000. Who am I to say this? What if I do get a nod? Imagine somebody hears this and they invite me to talk on their stage. Would I even be ready? Why did you say? Fear is always going to present itself. And this is why I chose to name my life's work after a honey badger. I'll lighten it up a little bit. The honey badger is the most fearless animal in the world. 
That is okay. by the okay. Guinness Book of World Records. It's named after the silly video in 2011, viral video. And the reason why the platform is called the Honey Badger Project is because the life you want, every single great thing that's available to us in the world is on the other side of fear. Love is on the other side of fear. Impact is on the other side of fear. Uh, every single thing is on the other side of fear. So if I had to choose right now, time of this filming, what do I want to be known for? What do I want my legacy to be? I want to be somebody who inspires millions of people to step into the fear and create something incredible for themselves and make the world a better place because of it. If it, if it means anything, the conviction that you spoke of about the sold out stadium or, or the, the massive stadium uh, had like not even an ounce of doubt that it is in the very near future. In fact, if I may, I'm, uh, when, when that event does come out, which I'm sure it will in the next few years, I hope that AI get an invite, I'll pay for it. And that our audience does as well. I'll be happy to promote that. And I'm sure anyone listening in a few years, we're going to see something uh, that puts 10x to shame. Like, I mean, they, he got a great thing going on, but I think, you know, so I believe Appreciate it. it man. Means a lot to me. Thank you.